Hey, wonderfuls, welcome to episode 380 of the JV Club with my fantastic boy of summer guest, hip-hop artist, comedian, podcaster, and just all-around awesome artistic brain open mic eagle. Now, wonderfuls, if you listen to other Max Fun podcasts or follow me on social media, I'm at Janet Varney on Twitter, by the way, you may already know that it is Max Fun Drive. It's a time when we work to increase membership at Max Fun. New song. Uh, Max Fun's business model, of course, is artist-owned and audio audience supported. Uh, And it also means you can get special members only bonus content. And I'm going to be announcing a couple of bonus content episodes that I have had waiting in a beautiful golden safe of gorgeousness in the virtual world uh, that I've been waiting to drop for Max Fun Drive. I'm going to be announcing what those are about midway through the show. I'm really excited about it. Um, and so just a reminder, when you become a member of Max Fun, you are truly directly affecting our ability to continue the JV Club as well as future new shows and all the other shows you love on Max Fun. You can choose a monthly amount that's comfortable for you. Uh, speaking of comfortable, I hate talking about money and we it's not like we love asking for it, but we love you and we love making podcasts. Podcast, so we're hoping that you can help even though things are weird right now. Um, the majority of people give like $5 a month, $10 a month, some even upgrade to $20 a month, $35 a month, even $100 per month. Uh, it's really about what works for you. You. Yes, you. Uh, we appreciate it so much. I appreciate you. And uh, you can head to MaximumFun.org slash join for more information. We're going to be talking a little bit more about fundraising for Max Fun through uh, the next couple of weeks. We want it to be sweet, easy, painless, and delightful for you. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for supporting what I do and um, know that it means the world to me. Okay, without further ado, please enjoy this episode. be cool if i heard that siren all of a sudden in my oh yeah yeah sorry i live in a what they call a bad neighborhood i live in the neighborhood where helicopters always sound like they're about to land in your yard so mm-hmm. no same worries. here i think you might live by me then okay well i didn't hear the siren no. but by all other okay. accounts it seems very likely that we live in the same place uh have you did you get to experience the non-stop fireworks boomings of yeah um yeah like the the entire month of june and then yeah on it came to a a lovely crescendo on the fourth of july (laughs) um where it sounded like there was war in 360 degrees yeah. Uh, any direction you turned it sounded like there was war um but i'm gonna tell you one thing i'm surprised by this year that it has largely ceased Usually, yeah. in my neighborhood, you get a good, solid two weeks after, yeah. where it still kind of happens every night, and it is like nothing. I was thinking that, too. I was like, surely it will keep going. If June has been any indication, surely it will keep going after the 4th, but no. It's got me on edge, to, to be honest, the, the silence. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me Tell me if this helps you. <laughs> that's good. That's it. Yeah. Uh, well, that is no, much but- more what I was expecting. <laughs> Good. I'm glad I was able to provide that. Um, I also like getting any kind of a bird's eye view, which is like I can sort of get from my neighborhood without too much problem. Uh, mm-hmm. It really does look like the entire city is under siege on a regular 4th yeah. of July. It's 
real mm-hmm. disturbing. Like if you ever need to connect with the idea that the reason that we have fireworks on the 4th of July is that people are getting blown to bits, then for sure just get a good view of a big city and all the illegal fireworks going on because it looks like Baghdad. I've been to some daytime functions in the past in on July the 4th in you know South LA and where I've had to like drive home um as the sun is setting mm. uh, on the 4th of July. Yeah. And the streets are filled with smoke. Yep. It is it is absolutely it it looks it looks like a war zone. Yeah. Like anything else like just everything has been so stripped bare in in I mean it's it's all been stripped bare before I guess in 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 some in some circles uh but it's being publicly nationally stripped bare maybe in a more confrontational everyone dealing with it at one time or many people dealing with it at one time place but like just the the just the many things that we as a country do that you know there's no there's don't be proud of that don't be proud of that yeah, we don't weird. need to be proud it's of this it's a, it's another weird habit. We have yeah. many weird habits, and that's one of the weirder ones because I, the part that kills me about it is like everybody that I know has a pet of some sort. You know? Yeah, and like I figured the 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 pet owners would outnumber the fireworkers at this point, but it does not seem to have caught on yet. So, um, all I hear outside is fireworks, and all I see on the internet is people complaining that their dogs are going batshit. <laughs> that's true. Those are the two places that discourse is happening, but they're not yeah. connecting. They're, the, no. Next door is not alive with people saying like, oh my God, the fireworks I the fireworks I lit yeah. last night were amazing. It's like the people. Uh, yeah, it's weird. It, there's nobody that's pro fireworks on the internet. Maybe everyone's just lying. Yeah. And, and then just conditioning their animals not to care. Oh. Yeah. Did you that's, grow up around here? Sad. I grew up in Chicago. Born and raised there in Chicago. Chicago proper yeah. or Chicago? Ex- yeah, the the properest. The properest. The, the properest. All over the south side of Chicago is, okay. is where I grew up. Yeah. Uh, so many funny people from the south side of Chicago. I feel like that's a that's a recurring theme, at least in my life. Um, yeah, just like- you certainly learn to speak a lot of languages, and one of them is probably figuring out a way to diffuse situations with laughter. Yeah. <laughs> Seems to be a, a skill you come out of there with. Was it? Was it... Uh, did you, was that something that you did? Like, a, if something got rough or uncomfortable or weird, like that was a, a good go-to. Uh, it was a good way for me to connect with people who I didn't share a similar background or or personality style with. I was surrounded by people like that. Like, um, you know, most of the neighborhoods I lived in, uh, most of the denizens of those neighborhoods, especially people my age, were like way more hardcore street people um and i was always like you know getting on a school bus to go to school in a different neighborhood or you know that that kind of thing so um i didn't share a lot of experiences that would connect all of us but one thing we all had in common was that we could laugh at shit yeah um so you know um it wasn't so much um as as a direct means to survive as it was just kind of a way to uh show people that we had stuff in common if i didn't necessarily look the part right you know? uh i totally relate to that i feel like that was i mean this is a very like i'm sure this is just a very pollyanna way of of looking at my whole experience you know going to magnet schools and stuff but like 
that mm-hmm. was very much you know when you when you're bust in or bust out or whatever the case may be other than the like hour it took me to get to school because I had to like get picked up by one bus transfer at a different school and then take the other school bus to school did you have to do that right. or you just got on a bus uh I had different situations um I had situations where I was taking, you know, one school bus to school. I had a situation where I was taking public transportation, like, way far across the city. Um, I think it just depended on, like, the grade I was in or something. Um, But, yeah, I lived really far away from a lot of schools that I went to. So there was a lot of uh, of transit involved. I feel like I I, I sort of feel like I am in denial about doing the math on how early I must have been getting up every day. Like, mm. in a, it, because I do not enjoy getting up early and I very much hated it as a young person. Like, really, really a lot of sort of calling in sick, like play, pretending to be sick because the depression that I had as a child in, in the morning, um, there's no reason for that. I don't know why, like, but somehow the translation of like, oh, I'm, I don't want to get up early for me was so dramatic. <laughs> Mm. that it was like it felt I, like grown-up depression like i can't do it wow i can't get out of bed i can't do it dang i was so i was wired the complete opposite oh yeah um i really really loved getting up the earliest like i wanted to watch every cartoon that i could before i had to do anything like before i had to like you know uh bathe and put on clothes like i wanted all of that time like um and then when i got older uh because i started doing uh graffiti when i was in high school and so the earlier i got up the more mischief i could make in the morning. <laughs> uh, but that makes could, I, would someone yeah. else argue like the later i stayed out or does or is i guess earlier is better because there's always going to be other people around if it's late but many people are not up at the well time. the thing with the thing with me is that uh if if i if i was going to be out late i had to come up with a reason mm-hmm. uh, i had to like <laughs> in, invent something or have a you know some sort of explanation but if i'm just jumping out of jumping out of the house early to go to school i look like you know i look i look like the 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 the, uh the the child prodigy that's a serious life hack that is a serious life hack that you've just revealed i have that i i have definitely become a person i mean now especially like i don't mind getting up even i think i've just gotten better about i i mean being in whatever this business is that you know this is uh the mm-hmm. the irregularity of it has definitely like created a a different kind of creature than i was when i was younger where you know now i'm sort of like okay well you sort of adjust to whatever um so if it's a night shoot or if it's you know a time change or time zone change or whatever i i feel like the, my flexibility you know you just sort of have to go into that place where it just doesn't matter mm-hmm. um but but now with what's been going on, I just I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I love getting up super early because now everyone's mm-hmm. out like walking yes. their dogs. Like, <laughs> now I'm and <laughs> I re- I really rely on like time alone outside uh, for yeah. sanity. And it ter- and especially when it gets hot, like you got to get up at like 530. <laughs> yeah. Or else you'll, you'll right die away. going outside. Yeah. Because yeah. if you wait for the sun. Um, yeah. 
you will be burned into the concrete trying to get your alone time. That's right. And I never thought I would be that person. I never thought it would matter enough to me as a child. Like that is definitely mm -hmm. the thing that little me would have been like, mm, no, that's never, I can promise you I will never care enough about getting up. <laughs> like anything to want to get up early. Where uh, did you grow up? In Tucson, Arizona. Okay. I've spent, I've spent a lot of time there yeah, have you? and I, that I, that I haven't enjoyed though, to be uh, honest. Um, I've done a lot of shows there. Yeah. I've done a ton of shows there, but I have not enjoyed most of them. Yeah. Um, I played that Hotel Congress place a bunch. Yep, yep, yep. That's one of the yeah. only places <laughs> that you can yeah, play. Yeah, you I can think. do stuff. What uh, yeah. What was bad about the What was bad about the the experience? Um, and you can be totally honest. I do not choose to live there anymore, so I'm ready for anything. <laughs> I just I, there's just some places in in our country that have what I can only refer to as like this layer of desperation and dust that mm. just cover everything and like the people just are a little bit reddened by the sun <laughs> and a little a little brain cooked i feel like <laughs> um and and it's it's just you know there the, there's always a story whenever i have a show in reno there's always a story do you know what i mean it's, yeah. it's never like oh we just did a show and it was great it's always something weird you know <laughs> yeah i see that i definitely can see that uh, I would not, yeah. I would not feel like if I, if I toured at all, I, I would be very uh, unsure about what to expect from performing in my own like home city. I, I think I would be like, this isn't going to go well, Yeah, <laughs> which is sad it's, to say because I still, you know, I have friends who still live there, but um, I also don't know that they're the people who are, you know, going out to shows at, at Club Congress anymore. So maybe the good ones well, are staying yeah, home. I, you know, I, <laughs> One of the first lessons I had to learn as a performer was to stop expecting my friends to come <laughs> when, I, when I toured. Like that was one of the first. Like, hey, you want yeah. one way you you know your your things are working out is that you stop seeing your friends at shows and start seeing strangers. Like that's actually what you're supposed to do. Yeah. But you know, I was I was I was I was slow to come to that realization. I don't. I feel like you feel like you were slow. I'm not sure. I think everyone is too slow to come to that. And, and so that so everyone is doing it at exactly the same pace mm. maybe too maybe I, I too slow that. for life but but like just the same amount of slow as everyone else i guess i just i know a bunch of people um in in indie rap which is his own little weird world where like you know we go on tour and they get disappointed when their personal friends don't show up and i'm like i, I just personally am way beyond that to the point where like see Cause I, I, I did the thing where, you know, when I first started touring, where you go to every city and you try to make sure you remember who lives there and invite them all out just to make sure that there's somebody there. Oh, sure. But what that did was like, it had my friends out at terrible shows, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like had them out to see me at like the work, like they look around, there's nobody there but them, like, you know? Uh, so yeah. I quickly learned to not do that. Yeah. Uh, and then now they're strangers and now it's fine if they show up and it's fine if they don't show up. You know, I, I get it either way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Were, did When did you start doing live stuff? Were you uh, a wee one Ooh. or did that come later? No, I mean, I did my first like show show in college. So, you know, not super early. Um, but since then, yeah, but kind of been doing it to like to whatever, whatever capacity was offered to me for. Wow. Like, yeah, like almost 20 years now mm -hmm. i have been 
been doing doing the shows. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Wonderfuls and janitors the world over, it's me. You know, me. I am just popping in for our mid-show break to talk a little bit more about Max Fun Drive. I wanted to quickly announce a couple, just a couple of the things that you can get a hold of. Uh, I almost said put your paws on because I'm such a fan of raccoons. Uh, For the membership, if you are a member, you will be getting access to a bonus episode I've been sitting on. I'm so excited. I had the very, very, very great pleasure of interviewing someone I'm a huge fan of who I love, Tatiana. Maslani, who, of course, won an Emmy for her roles on Orphan Black. She could not be more awesome. So that is one bonus episode that is going to be available this week. I wanted to read you this comment from Ray in Seattle that really touched me. Um, She says, I'm a medical assistant, so I'm still working, and it's really stressful. The shows and even the emails, the newsletters that uh, Max Fun sends help calm my ever-fraying nerves. Thank you. That's why I started the podcast. And so to be at a network where I feel like that one-to-one ratio of you, the listener, and me getting to do what I love and having it affect you in some sort of positive way, even if it's just to make you smile, makes me really happy. So that, um, thank you. Thank you for that. I know there are so many worthy causes going on that you can give your money to. I've been doing it. I've had to figure out, you know, what I can afford, what makes the most sense and who I can support. If you're in a position to invest in the show, just know we really appreciate you supporting our ability to make it. You can visit MaximumFun.org slash join and you'll see all the ways you can give and you'll see all of the great stuff that you'll get. Most people choose $5 or $10 per month. Some support at $20 a month or more. But we're truly grateful with any amount that you are comfortable with, whatever level of support you can do. If this is an opportunity for you to jump in, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash join and you can jump on that party bus. What? I'm, none of us wants a party bus right now. A party bus, that's the worst idea in the world. You know what you want? You want maxfun.org. You want to be a member. If you want to upgrade your existing membership, please do. Uh, I already mentioned some of the bonus content. I'm going to be announcing more stuff as the weeks go on. And I just want to say again, before we pop back into the episode, thank you so much for supporting us. Every time I start talking about this, I get emotional. <laughs> it's so silly. Um... This is a really hard time. And um, I just bonked my computer. I'm not going to stop recording. I'm not going to redo this. This is just what's happening right now. It's authentic. Uh, I just am so grateful that I get to do this podcast. And I'm so grateful to be in this community. So if you can give, please do. I'm going to love you either way. But if you can do it, I'm going to stop crying. Let's get you back to the episode. You are great. Uh, where did you go to college? I went to Southern Illinois University in Carbondale, Illinois. Okay. Was there a, a, a particular incentive to go to that school? I don't know the school. I don't know anything about any college. So unless you said like, uh, no, if you said Notre Dame, I'd be like, people play <laughs> football, I think. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a state school and it's not the best state school. Um, they just, it really was the fact that like they were excited about my test scores and didn't care that I didn't work very hard mm-hmm. in high school and they yeah. were like we'll let you in real easy and I was like okay well that's where I'm going in yeah I like the idea that that was an interview that you had with someone where, where they they actually said the words hey we're, we'll let you in real easy 
put your yeah, I mean, the, put the dude there. basically said that. Yeah, he, he basically like he came to my high school like recruiting. Um, oh wow! And he was just he was just smiling at my test scores, and he did not care about my GPA. So I was like, yeah, this is probably top choice for me now. Nice. Everywhere else would take work. Right, right. Uh, what was the school like that you were busing to? Was was it a was it a good magnet school? That started in elementary. So um, in fifth grade, I started going to uh, a school on the north side of Chicago that had uh, a quote unquote gifted student program. Uh, so that was where all of that started for me. But that was a weird that was a weird experience because that was a neighborhood school that had a gifted quote unquote school inside of it. So oh, okay. you could imagine like the the young sociological wars that were happening Ugh. in this place. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it was it was it was wild. It was wild. And it really like a lot of it was really um, it was harsh for me to experience because um there were there were um there were like gifted kid privilege issues there were class issues there were race issues and at that time i couldn't untangle any of it i was just like why does everybody hate me all the time and it, and it took me like a long time after to figure out like oh it was different reasons for different people <laughs> that's horrible <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I mean, I, I had friends. I, I mean, I, I, yeah. I'm probably making it sound worse than it actually was. I just remember, like, my my main feeling of the school is just like never feeling like I've never had to work so hard to feel like I belong to a group um, in my life, and and it was just me constantly trying to figure out why I always felt uh, so uh, detached from people. And, um, you know, and thinking about it in adulthood, I kind of figured it out like, oh, yeah, with these kids, it was because not only did I not have really any like money, money, I didn't know how to like do the things you do when you don't have money, but you're trying to make it look like you have money. Like <laughs> sure. I was just so dumb about all of that. Um, and, you know, in some kids, it was just straight up race and you couldn't really do nothing about that. And some kids, it was just that like they thought that us as gifted kids they thought that we thought we were better than them yeah so you know they overcompensated in a bunch of different ways about that it really does feel like it's a little surprising that there were there wasn't a conversation with adults who ostensibly are like in the education program and thus supposed to be experts to go like mm. let's take a look at this let's take a step back from the bulletin board of this gift program <laughs> we're building inside of a almost entirely upper class white part of Chicago the north side of Chicago yeah. and imagine the experience of somebody coming in from somewhere else like yeah that seemed like a good idea somehow yeah, I, I you know I cer I certainly wish that somebody had of had that sort of conversation with me because I think ultimately my 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 attitude towards school started to suffer in some ways. Oh my god, I'm sure because of like, the, yeah, uh, but but even I wasn't able to put that together at the time. You know, like it, it was yeah. just it was just so much going on, and I was internalizing a bunch of it and trying to figure out a bunch of it, and and um, you know, but it but it was a, it was a great education, like a fantastic fantastic education like we had like a philosophy class in the fourth grade you know what jesus. i mean jesus or the i'm sorry the fifth grade we had a philosophy class in the oh fifth grade. i was I impressed when was... it was fourth grade now that it's fifth grade I'm not that <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah i fucked it up <laughs> whatever <laughs> i know uh... who didn't have it at 12 <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy i mean that's 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 saying a lot 
it was it was great you know like the, the education was great and i think that you know as the professionals they were all focusing their attention on that and weren't really thinking about the the, the social miasma that we were all right existing in how did you end up getting wind of that was that something that like one of your parents was sort of looking out for or was that a situation where as even an even younger kid somebody was like hey you well i always did like especially when i was really young did really really well in school like shining bright type like you know had i I could answer every question the teacher asked in class and would you know get and ace all the tests and like i was just real like when i at my youngest like you know first second third fourth grade just really really good in school um and so my i was living with my grandparents and they understood that the school that i was at those first you know four years was not a good school like it was a neighborhood school and from the south side um you know probably poorly funded uh, a lot of underperforming uh kids and um they started doing things to try to get me out of that school, just kind of understanding that I had the potential to do more stuff. Yeah. Um, but this, the funny part for me was that, okay, so it would be, oh, uh, this weekend, you're going to go take this test at this place. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm thinking it's just like some test that every kid takes. Right. And then, then like the, I we get the, the scores back and they're like, Oh, you did great. So you're going to start at this school next year. I'm like, start at another school? What? <laughs> like, I had no idea that any of this meant anything to do with, like, transferring. Like, that was the last thing on my mind. So I actually resisted it for a while. There was, like, a couple of schools that they had wanted me to go to uh, before I actually went to the one that I went to. And I, you know, I, I don't, I'm sure that at some point they just did not want to have any more arguments with a you know, nine year old, 10 year old about what school he was going to. And I just uh, went along with the program. And then uh, at nine, you weren't quite ready. But by 10, 11, you could <laughs> you could have been like, as Soren Kierkegaard once said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure the smarter I started talking, the less of my bullshit they want to hear. So. <laughs> uh, but but because at the end of the day, they, you know, they really were acting in my best interest anyway. I was just stubborn and didn't want to transfer, you know, because yeah. I had friends and and all of that kind of stuff that ultimately didn't matter as much as I thought it did. Well, if you were if you were moving around a bunch uh, as a kid anyway, did you have like I had neighborhood friends and I had school friends Um, and most of the time the school friends didn't live anywhere near me and my neighborhood friends didn't go to that school. So it really was like Mm. a total division. Um, Did you have that? Did you have people that you hung out with in your neighborhood or were you moving around too much? Well, I didn't start really moving around until like the eighth grade. Then I started moving around a bunch. Uh, before that, I was pretty stable in a in a place when I was living with my grandparents. Gotcha. Um, but what the, the 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 circumstances we were living in were that they lived in like these high rises that were for like upper working class older people, basically. Right. Um, these kind of these nicer high rises that were surrounded on many sides by like low-income housing and like projects Mm -hmm. so the the school that i went to was in the projects and it was only like half a mile away but it was like literally nestled within a a, a public housing system right um so things and not only in the the geographic space i was in but just the time the time space i was in it was just very it was a very dangerous time like this was like really entering the peak of crack cocaine 
taking hold in 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 the city of Chicago and yeah. you know most urban areas in the country, and you know it was just really. Um, you know, re- you really often hear gunshots and hear stories and there's a lot of crime and you would see like, you know, drug addicts. And uh, so where I lived it w- and it was me and my sister living with my grandparents, we weren't allowed to go outside very much. Yeah. So there were let's say this apartment building had 120 units in it. Um, there were probably like seven kids in this whole building. Right. Um because any and there were other kids in the same situation as oh, us sure. that were like living with grand living with grandparents and also you know had protective grandparents that wouldn't so like whenever any of us got outside it was like an event yeah you know and and you know and we'd be able to see from the window if somebody was in the playground and we could ask if we could go to the playground and maybe sometimes it was yes wow. so like didn't have the neighborhood um friend thing yeah. but i had a bunch of friends at school so like that was my socializing was really at school and and when you were in high school, what was that like? You were moving around by then? Yeah, my grandmother had passed away and I started living with my mom and my mom was not the most stable person in the world, which is why we weren't living with her in the first place. True. So by the time, um, you know, we started living with her, then I kind of started this thing. Basically, we moved once a year, pretty much the entire time I was in high school, just all around different places in the South Side. But you were able but, to um, stay at the same high school? Yes, because it was a magnet high school. Yeah. So, you know, uh, just once I was enrolled there, I enrolled there and it didn't matter where I lived because it wasn't close to there anyway. Was the magnet school a little bit better about how it integrated different students in from different places? And like, was the vibe there a little bit better than school within a school? Yeah. Yeah. Because this was mo- this was, you know, primarily a magnet high school. Um, th- everybody was from all over the place. And, you know, it, it there there tended to be more of a uniform experience of the type of like schooling people were getting and, and, and their and their experience. We were all coming from all over the place. Um, and, it, you know, for. For my benefit, uh, it was a it was a mostly black school, um, whereas the other school that I went to when I was in elementary, that was a mostly white school. So that present, you know, that, you know, um, and you know, multiplied by the school within a school thing, it, you know, it just created a bunch of different complications. Where this, there was a lot more that was a shared experience to most of the students that were there. Yeah, uh, and was it a magnet school for art stuff specifically, like kind of performing, musical, visual arts? Was it math? Was it a little of everything? Yeah, it was college prep, but like it, it had a little bit of everything too. You know, they had theater and art and 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 all that stuff too. But uh, you know, it was mostly just about you know college prep and what were you i know that you were (laughs) maybe not like mr school guy in your classes but uh was it was it kind of situation where it was like i don't have to work that hard and i'm not being super stimulated so i'm just not going to but then i'll test really well um it wasn't that so much that i wasn't stimulated i I just didn't have a lot of discipline was my Mm. thing like i can i can look back to uh when i first started going to that school that elementary school to take it back there i remember vividly the first time we got homework on the weekend and that was like the beginning of the end of (laughs) me doing well in school like i remember that weekend because like it like it put me in such a, a weird position in terms of my discipline because the way that my discipline worked was like 
when I had homework, I would get home and I would do it immediately so I could have the rest of the day to myself. Like that yeah. was just how I operated. Yeah. And so if you have homework on the weekend, I'm not going to do it Friday because I got time. Right. Um, but what that means is I'm trying to do everything on like Sunday at six o'clock. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to do sure. a whole weekend's worth of homework. And and that's really when my schooling started to fall apart. Like I just I I, I still had, like you say, the test taking ability um, and, and, you know, the analysis and all of that stuff. But I had such poor discipline when it came to getting homework done after that point. That like that's how I ended up kind of being like a C student for a lot of high school. That's tough. I mean, I still I feel like I hear now about anecdotally. I don't have kids, so it's it's other people's stories, but about like and this school just doesn't do homework. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I kind of hate. I mean, like I get homework. Part of me is like, do we need homework? <laughs> like, if it's a good mm -hmm. enough school, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but I don't know that I. I mean, I, I guess I guess when you're a teenager, you're not the best judge of like where your yes. best moments in your education are coming from. But Absolutely. if if I had to if I had to look back now and say what where was I getting the most out of my education, I would say it was not like the sort of for me very begrudging like phoning it in homework. <laughs> at, like at, like couldn't wait to forget whatever it was i had just learned so that i could like do whatever right. i wanted to go watch night court uh you know <laughs> i don't know like you know i just like the same with tests like cramming for a test you know it was like the 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 classes i did the best in were the classes where the teachers were great we were super stimulated mm -hmm. we were interested in whatever it was and that information was kind of being learned as a group and that's where everything stuck. You know what I mean? It was not right. like necessarily right. the sort of like, but then I went home and I read that chapter in American history about blah, blah, blah. And I've all, <laughs> I always think about that to this very day, you know? Well, the, the only thing that I, that I, when I think about homework and I, cause I have, a, I have a child and I see his relationship to homework and it makes me think about mine. Um, the one thing that I think was or remains an important value uh that i think is stimulated by homework it's just work ethic like i think that that's that's where my schooling suffered yeah and i almost ended up flunking out of college based on the same thing like i just didn't have the work ethic to do the papers do the assignments uh but once i kind of found that again like i started doing really really well in school again and i feel like that work ethic is something that's carried me through yeah. even like entertainment you know what i mean and god and damn it that's you're the right one thing that that's the only thing you know it's like true, I, I do think that i think uh there there also there is some i noticed with my son in math i can tell that they don't have the time to practice the techniques that they learn in math in school like right. i noticed that they do need that practice of like applying math techniques yeah. so i do think math homework is kind of important yeah, but that's really you're it. right I'll tell you what, I liked writing papers, but that's not a big surprise because yeah. like my, you know, my parents were teachers and I, I definitely had confidence about my ability to write a good paper at a young age. But a, a lot of that is yeah, like, too. I was very much, I mean, I don't know if you, by the way, this might be the most I've dug deep into like actual schooling experiences. This is, I feel like this is like suddenly I'm minoring in, in open mic Eagles education. Uh, but, it, but I don't know why I'm like so fascinated by it right now, but, 
but I do I I, I definitely remember like <laughs> I, was, I just hated criticism so much as a little kid not because like I thought I was great and perfect and then I didn't want anything to disrupt that I was just so I guess I was really sensitive and um right. and I remember getting those report cards and seeing like back when it was like you just get an e or an s or a, an i or an mm-hmm. n it was like excellent satisfactory improving needs improvement and if i saw an n or even an i on something i would t- i couldn't have taken that more the way it's more not personal. intended yeah i couldn't have taken it more in the way it's not intended to be to- ta- like i i my my takeaway was like i'm terrible at that thing and right. just sort of like uh. like didn't you know what i mean rather than like oh maybe i could get better at this thing that i'm getting an n in you know it's like i just i was like oh "Oh, yeah i guess i must really be horrible at that and so if i saw an e it's like ooh, my verb ooh, my verbal skills are really good ooh, my writing's really good then it was like okay well i'll just continue to feel good about that and i'll you know and so i'll just it's a feedback loop you know so you would like you would like associate yourself or like start to build your identity around the way you were being like rated rated on things exactly well i mean it's funny because i I guess i got offended by criticism in a different way i just i just especially when it came like a paper like if ever like the teacher told me some point i was trying to make was wrong i get so mad i get so mad like like you don't know you know like what do you mean what do you mean i'm wrong no i'm not wrong like but but that was only with writing like anything else i would you know i would definitely um I, w- I wouldn't take it quite the same way because I would, you know, more I would more believe the teacher was right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when it came yeah. to stuff that I thought was subjective, <laughs> I'd get super offended. The one thing I remember in terms of like, <laughs> like this is one of those like, oh, I'm so I feel like I don't have very many stories like this. Whenever somebody asks me to do a storytelling show, I'm always like, mm, I don't really have any stories. Um, but and this is not something that I've ever told at a storytelling show, nor have I done that many storytelling shows. So all of this is moot. But, uh, but, I, love but this. I love the arc of that. And 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 uh, and I probably haven't. I would get an in in storytelling, and then I'll just never do another storytelling <laughs> show. But I, the, the most angry I can remember being in school, I got I got into a, I got into like a real argument with my sophomore English teacher about my interpretation of a Dylan Thomas poem. Wow. Like it's so precious. It's such a dumb like I stormed <laughs> I think I stormed out of the room and had to like go to the bathroom and like calm myself down. <laughs> Which is like, what was going on with me at the time that I would be, I, I think I just like, I for some reason I really connected with, you know, whatever. So in a way is a total compliment to the teacher because I still think of that mm. English class as like, I barely remember anything about college, truly. And I went to college for a very long time at two different colleges. And I just don't, it's not like I was high the whole time. I just don't remember. <laughs> I just don't remember much of right. it. And and I got good grades and stuff. I don't know what's going on there, but my sophomore English class, man, everything we read, for some reason, it was just the exact right time, exact right exposure to whatever we were reading that I still, like, I still think about those, the stuff that we read. And like, I've gone back and read that stuff again and been like, yep, this is really great. This is great. Like, I remember <laughs> talking about this in sophomore English class. So I guess I peaked in high school but not in the way that most people (laughs) think they peaked in high school i you know i'm thinking you got me because i I, i'm 
was like one class short of minoring in English uh, as an undergrad. So I took a bunch of like writing lit classes and writing classes and um, no, and it wasn't even English. It was creative writing. So I was yeah. taking poetry classes yeah. all the time. When I think about poetry, like what a trap that is psychologically, like to be to be presented with all of this literature that can be interpreted a bunch of different ways and then to like have your interpretations like challenge based yeah. and not by the author but right. by a professor <laughs> like it, it, it's a weird this is a weird yeah. situation that's it's a, a really weird good point. situation that's a really good point i also feel like i went through a period in living in la where like somehow getting into the comedy world um and i think i fell more deeply into it than you know you've you've like You've, you you just I, I admire the the career that you have and I admire that like you know you're that that you're appreciated by like so many different groups um, mm. I feel like I sort of toppled into the comedy world and and immediately like felt like every I was I had to be snarky about everything you know I fell mm. into that trap right. that speaking of traps and like I couldn't have abandoned faster the idea of poetry, for example. Do you know mm. what I mean? Like so immediately, for the first time in my life, I was like, oh, I'm around people who would think that was really stupid. And I don't even think that's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, you know, I, 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 look, I, look, maybe, you know, maybe Scott Ackerman wants to have a conversation about a Dylan <laughs> Thomas poem. I don't think so, but you know, probably not in any kind of public way. Uh, uh, you know, and so there's just I think there's just a sense of like, oh, yeah, I got I, I like need the rest of my heart to come back alive. Mm, damn. You know? Damn. Which well, it LA, did. LA murders your heart. You know, LA murders but yeah. Your heart, so, yeah. Yeah. When did you start uh, writing lyrics and stuff? Well, OK, start writing lyrics. That's an interesting question. OK, because I started rapping in high school. But when I started rapping, what that meant, me and my homies who were all like very hip-hop curious like we were all kind of floating around socially it was like me and like four other guys and we discovered this place on the south side of chicago this this um this community center where they had like a a, a city park district ordained hip-hop class um every tuesday and thursday and like the actual class was breakdancing but what that meant was um breakers rappers um DJs, graffiti artists, they would all congregate at this space on Tuesdays and Thursdays and kind of just everybody would do their thing in the community center because it was like, okay to do it. Um, so we discovered the rap community on the south side of Chicago and all those guys did was get together and freestyle. So they would just do improvised raps yeah. off the top of the head. They would stand in a circle and do that for yeah. hours and like that's that's that was the magic that like and 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 raptured is I don't know if enraptured is a verb, but like that's that's what yeah, took hold of us. Yeah. And and so like we just decided we were gonna rap. And what that meant was like me and me and my, my one of my closest friends to this day, this guy named Roy, we were walking home from that place one day and we went to the back of this Kentucky fried chicken that was mostly empty. And we sat down at a table and was like, Okay, let's rap. And then we just started rapping and it was horrible. <laughs> Horrible. Yeah. But we did it for like for hours, you know, just like pushing ourselves to keep doing it. And 
slowly but surely like that entire group of friends like all of us started rapping and break dancing and doing graffiti none of us could afford turntables but we started doing all the other stuff yeah. but like so we would rap every day for hours we'd be on the phone rapping we'd be on a train rapping but we never made songs yeah like so i started rapping as a sophomore in high school i didn't write a song until my first show that i got asked to do when i was in college so I was like 21 or 22 years old when I actually wrote my first rap song. So did, so someone knew you as a freestyler and and said like, yeah. you know, come do this show. And was there an expectation that you be performing something you've written or is that something you, you sort of for yourself were like, you know what, maybe I should write something for this or. Yeah, I used to freestyle all over campus and everybody knew me as open mic of the freestyler and I would rap, rap, rap uh, at every event that it was appropriate to. Uh, and there was a band on campus who really loved hip hop and they wanted to do these hip hop showcases and they wanted to put me on the bill. So they want like, so I had to have like a set and I never had a set before. Um, and so like, I was like, okay, well I have a set then it means I have to have songs. Um, <laughs> and so like I, I wrote five songs and memorized them. And then that was, that was the, the first time I ever did that. And I mean, that, I mean, certainly was the beginning to me thinking that I could try to do this because the feeling was just incredible. And like um, it was bolstered by the fact that I got paid for that show. Yeah. Like and that was like that was magical. To oh, me. for like, sure. They put money in my because I just rapped for free for years. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so I never even had had the, the concept that I could be paid to rap. Um, so yeah, like that, that was the beginning of it all for me, uh, writing lyrics, being paid, doing shows, all of that kind of happened at the same time. What were the shows? Uh, what, what was the sort of demo? <laughs> what was this? That's so gross. Uh, but what was, <laughs> what was the makeup of, of the college shows or the shows that you were doing in college? I guess what I'm getting at is, um, mm -hmm. like, I'm curious about, I, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I sort of think about friends of mine who were in the hip hop culture, and believe it or not, even Tucson has one. Um, oh yeah, no, no, you, I, I you know, know a few but like, well, you know, down, it's yeah. a predominantly Hispanic city, so uh, you know, everything yeah. in my life was like, I felt, I feel like I knew the lyrics to to Mexican Christmas songs like better than I knew mm. English ones. Um, and that and those are the kids that I grew up with uh but and but and but in junior high the magnet school that I went to was in a black neighborhood and it I had gone to school with black kids all my life but it was like we they the black kids and the white kids were part of the minority to the Hispanic kids um and the school was in a black neighborhood and I didn't know that there were black neighborhoods like that was you know what I, I mean see. like as a seventh grader busting into that school I was like oh shit this whole neighborhood <laughs> is black people like oh okay i get it like that's a wow because when you're a kid and in school you don't know where any i didn't know where anyone lived right we bust in right. everybody bust in i had no idea where anyone lived unless they lived the first you know the first couple of schools i went were in the barrio and they, those kids lived walk walking distance everybody else bust mm -hmm. and it definitely was like oh sh oh okay and then and then the next immediate thought was like this is so far away from like most of Tucson. <laughs> it was if I, in, in oh, my mind, okay. in my mind, the black neighborhoods of Tucson are like so far away from like every other area I think of in Tucson. It was really such a wake up call. Um, but, but uh, it, you know, the difference between like, you know, having a friend who like would freestyle at this, you know, at a, a, like a magnet school where, you know, 
his friends are are like a bunch of different social classes a bunch of different races um but also like going back into a neighborhood and you know in terms of like you going to the classes and stuff was there a sense for you of okay there's this kind of hip-hop culture and then there's like the sort of multiracial college kid mm. appreciation of hip-hop culture like did you did there, there feel like there was a difference or is there not i mean what's that well i think in at the school i was in so like I was at a state school. It was twenty two thousand kids, uh, two thousand black kids, and most of the kids came from Chicago or St. Louis. So, like, you know, that same demographic of people who we were rapping with on the South Side, which was like we called ourselves the hip hoppers. We were like the underground hip hopper, the the you know the four arts flag bearers of like b boy culture, like that kind of um, yeah. Like we brought that with us to that school, and there was a community there that was already about that. So like the shows that we were doing down in school, they kind of still had that sort of uh, ethos to them. So I think I think it did represent ultimately even though we were mostly black it represented more that kind of multicultural college type thing because gotcha. these were like you know the, we were like the b-boy kids and some of the kids there were like hippie kids and like yeah you know uh, it, it kind of represented more than like the the kind of street uh version of hip-hop yeah what were you uh when you were in high school were you dating much yeah kind of like <laughs> so the, the the thing with me is this i uh, i've always like you know just been like super into girls like you know like especially in elementary school but like i had zero luck i remember one time like some of my closest friends one day did a presentation for me uh this is this was in the fifth grade before i transferred to the other school um they did a presentation for me that gave me a trophy for most rejected and it was hilarious and 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 to tell you the truth i was thankful to have the attention yeah at the time yeah uh so like my road on that in that sense was really rocky but it was mostly based on me not having any figment of a social identity but like if you fast forward to that high school that group i was in where we went and we all kind of dove into these hip-hop arts like we all kind of built our social identities out of that because that community was a meritocracy. Mm. So like we didn't have to worry about who we were as people. We just had to worry about getting good at the things. Yeah. And if you got good at the things, then like it gave you a certain amount of respect and yep. all of us built ourselves up based on that. And so once that happened, then dating and everything just becomes easier. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Welcome back to Fireside Chat on KMAX. With me in studio to take your calls is the dopest duo on the West Coast, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Go ahead, caller. Hey, uh, I'm looking for a music podcast that's insightful and thoughtful, but like also helps me discover artists and albums that I've never heard of. Yeah, man. Sounds like you need to listen to Heat Rocks every week. Myself and I'm Morgan Rhodes, and my co-host here, Oliver Wong, talk to influential guests about a canonical album that has changed their lives. Guests like Moby, Open Mike Eagle, talking about albums by Prince, Joni Mitchell, and so much more. Yo, what's that show called again? Heat Rocks, deep dives into hot records. Every Thursday on Maximum Fun.
I want to play this mash game with you, and I feel perhaps that I didn't warn you about it. Um, okay. Do you have you have are you familiar with mash mansion apartment shack and house? It's no. I would say largely female played in like elementary school, okay. junior high, and high school. But basically, it's a game in which um, it's just a lot of sort of f- future surfing idealism. Uh, but I like to play because it, it usually leaves people thinking about things they that they they're into and and it puts a smile on their face. So that's the that's sort of the idea. Um, that being said, I'm just going to give you some categories. All you have to do is give me three. You'll just give me three answers for each category. And then in three this. Three answers for each category. And, and by this is, this will make, make, I mean, I could not be making this more complicated. Could not be making the most simple <laughs> thing more complicated. Uh, I'm like, do you have a calculator? No, not necessary. Not necessary. Um, and then in the end, we're going to do some like a little eeny, meeny, miny, mo kind of thing. And then I'm going to give you this okay. uh, fully fleshed out alternate universe uh, uh, fictional future Opa Mike Eagle mash game. So, okay. With that in mind, let's start with three musicians. Uh, band, singer, songwriter, hip hop artist, whatever that means to you, composer that you, a living or dead, would love to collaborate with on so, like on something. Uh, Frank Zappa, uh, Q Tip, and shit. Oh, and it, it can't be somebody you've collaborated with already, guys. So oh no, it totally could dumb, be. Right? That's oh, a okay. good question. Well, no uh, one's ever asked me that before. Absolutely, it can be. Absolutely, okay, it can be. great. Uh, I'll, I'll go with MF Doom for the third one. Uh, okay, next category. Let's do three places in the world. Uh, whether you've been there or not, just places that in your mind you're like, I could chill there. Like, we'll assume that o- only the best things about them that you imagine are true. <laughs> um, <laughs> or places you uh, know. Amsterdam. Nice. Yeah, I'm probably gonna go with places I know because yeah. I don't like places I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, fair, very fair. Um, I'm gonna go with Amsterdam, um, Portland, yeah, and um, for the third one, I'm going to say um, what's the name of the damn place? Uh, Burlington, Vermont. Oh, okay, Burlington. I hear they have a great coat factory. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I was sorry. <laughs> no, you had the to. second I you said it. I just you had oof, to. This, this, that's oof. proof that you know Baron. That that oh, you just God. said that has proof <laughs> that you know Baron. Well. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, okay. Next category. Let's do three foods that, in this reality, are either you know you you would eat as much of it as you could if it didn't make you feel sick or you feel like maybe it's bad for the environment or you know sort of ethically it feels wrong or it's, it's just something either expensive or like you know a thing you had in Amsterdam that you're like why can't I find that here in this world that we're mm. creating you can list three things and we're going to give them to you in perpetuity with no ramifications okay um lobster um <laughs> uh shoot what else do I like um ice cream does it have to be specific Mm-mm, no, it doesn't have to be specific. Okay, so lobster, ice cream, and um, and and monkey shoulder whiskey. Oh, monkey shoulder whiskey. Okay, all right, great. Uh, next category, let's do three 
movies that you can jump into and just be in that world you're not reliving the plot it's just a way to escape into an alternate reality three movies that you would love to be able to jump into no harm can come to you okay do the right thing uh hail caesar and magnolia i gotta see hail caesar again i I ha- I think it, I think it that continues a trend where like every other Coen Brothers movie I see, I'm like I don't like it that much on first watch, mm. and then I watch it a second time and I love it, and then the other every other Coen, Bro- Coen Brothers movie I love immediately, and that's why it's confusing for me when like the yeah. next one rolls around. I'm like mm, I don't think I like that one, uh, and then I watch it a second time and I'm like wait what was I this is good I, what, what, what's wrong with I me think, I think I. I think I like all of them except one and and Hail Caesar's one that like I really thought I wasn't gonna like because I thought I was through with them at that point just because like I thought I was through with like white dude auteurs right you know what I mean I do but that movie's great that movie's great if anything just for the uh the uh Channing Tatum dance number oh yeah for sure I I have very fond memories of um I guess is it Ray Fiennes when he's like when, when they have the whole like would that it were so simple exchange um, yeah that that elevates quickly in an absurd way that I I've, I remember <laughs> very, I do remember that very fondly um, okay next category uh, this is a standard uh, factor in a mash game three uh, people that you would like to have romantic or sexy times with in this alternate universe uh, can be a character from something anyone living or dead from any era any age you just set whatever age you want them from <laughs> and uh okay and three okay Halle Berry right now yep uh Jada Jada Pinkett in 1994 and um uh, man who else um I like Lula this Rashawn. I feel like you have, you have a good trend of uh the first two come quick and then the third one yeah. is like a doozy. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's exactly how my mind works. Three, yeah. three, and three and so tripping me I'm up, sorry. You did know. you say someone? Did you say? Yeah. Leela Rashan. I forgot. Great. I don't know what year, but maybe like 96. What's that like? Can uh, I change that? Can yeah. I change that? Yeah. Robin Givens. Oh, shit. In, in 90, 92. Yeah. There it is. Great. Uh, okay. Next category is three. Let's do three skills, and I'm gonna widen it out. You could do super skills, or you could do like real life grounded kind of skills that you would like to wake up with tomorrow uh, and be able to do expertly. Okay, perfect pitch singing. Oh my god, that's um, so satisfying. Oh god, um, uh, drumming and um, uh, and 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 uh, pencil illustration. I love how specific that is. That makes me very happy. Yeah. That's illustration. Okay, great. Uh, okay. F- next one. Three. This is, there's two more categories. Um, three. Now, this is where I start really putting pressure on myself for no good reason <laughs> at all. Uh, let's do three. I've been going through I, this. I like. I've been liking lately, especially because of the sort of lockdown uh, that that we've been experiencing on some level or other. Uh, three, there's there's a door in your current place of residence. It opens to any 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 one of three anyone. It's gonna be any one of these three things. So it could be as specific okay. as like it opens to you know your sister's house, or it could be it opens into a forest. Uh, three mm. magical doors leading to where that we're gonna give you your free okay. house. Okay. 
Okay. Um, one opens to the beach, like on the beach. Great. One opens to the top of a skyscraper with like a helipad. Oh. Um, the third one opens to 1996 on the south side of Chicago. Like, I don't. Can I walk into an era, or do I need to have a building in that era, or like? A no, place? that's great. That's uh, that. Okay. That's wonderful. Um, in fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna expand the the idea of that just for the final category, which is a little bit of time travel. So you can go okay. anywhere. You're in a safety bubble. Uh, nothing's mm-hmm. gonna happen to you if there's something you want to see or experience or a mystery you want to solve anywhere, uh, anytime in history. I'm going to avoid the future because it, it scares the shit out of me. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Totally get that. I would want to go back to talk to Stanley Kubrick about Eyes Wide Shut when he was alive. Um, I would want to go to Bavaria in 1776 and be there when Adam Weishaupt created the Illuminati. Um, and... What else would I very much want to see for myself? <laughs> um, I would want to like see what was going on in in uh in, in was it wherever wherever Christ was killed was it Jerusalem was it Rome I don't know Calvary? wherever he was killed I just know like, he was on the cross in Calvary wherever that was wherever he was whatever he was wherever he was the week before that I want to be there I want to okay. see what it was like. Okay. Yeah. Great. Um, okay. Uh, I'm fascinated by the Stanley Kubrick one. Um, do you? What? What? Wh- how so? <laughs> well, just because that movie. Because uh, yeah. I'm I'm into like a lot of like um, uh, secret society stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that movie is filled, you know, filled with that imagery. And I just would love to know like what it was he was trying to emphasize yeah. or what he was trying to say about those things. Yeah. Uh, if he was trying to expose something, if he was just trying to make fun of it, like I would just love to be, to get an insight into his, how he was thinking about those things. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I feel the same way about that movie and um, yeah. I, 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 did you, have you seen the, like uh, there was a exhibit of his, like not of his, but of historical Stanley Kubrick memorabilia kind of stuff. No, no. Oh, I it, it was it's around. Um, I mean, who knows now? But um, it's wild. Uh, but I bet you would really like it because it's like I mean is they it, have is like it in LA. Uh, when I saw it, it was coming through San Francisco. I was up there for Sketchfest, and it just happened I to see. be uh, at a museum there. But you know, he had these like ro- not Rolodex, but like a, a like a library card type files, like old. You know how you would look through the like mm-hmm. all the different cards. Um, he had like just just a jillion of those like little tiny no index cards that he would write on for all the different movies he was working on. So there's just like this yeah. crazy library of of handwritten and typed up cards that were his brain. That I'll was see, very yeah. cool to I, see. I, I want. Yeah. I want. I want. <laughs> I gotta I, I, listen. I want listen. That. I want you to know I have zero power anywhere. I'm still gonna make this happen. I'm gonna get them to set that shit up somewhere. Choice just for you. It will be like if this is like yeah, if this is like an an 80s to early 90s movie, and I was trying to win your heart. It would be like here we are at the Hollywood Bowl. I know a guy. 
Hollywood Bowl, <laughs> right. but then here's the and exhibit. And I saw if they're blindfolded and all that. That's the- right. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, all right. Uh, give me a number between one and six. Four. Okay. I am going to go through and do whatever magic work I need to do to get you this sure. 100% guaranteed fictitious mash future. Uh, Fun. Can you take this time to tell people where to find you and what they should be letting into their lives that comes from you that they may haven't yet? Awesome. Definitely can do that now. Great. Um, so the main thing I want to point people to is a new podcast that I just started doing called What Had Happened Was, where I interview legendary hip-hop producer uh, DJ Prince Paul about, um, each episode is about one of his classic projects. So we have episode, <clears throat> episodes on De La Soul, because he produced oh. uh, their first three albums, uh, Chris Rock, um, you know, Grave Diggers with RZA from the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, so each week we go through one of his projects and people are really digging it. And it's part of a, a podcast network I just launched called Stony Island Audio. Uh, so I am pointing everybody towards that stuff. And I got music coming out uh, later this year that I'll be telling people about. And yeah, I think that's and You know, find me on Twitter at Mike underscore Eagle, because that's where I tell all my business all the time. Before you tell all your business, how personal? Yes. Well, some of it. The rest of it I tell on <laughs> Patreon, but some most of, most of it I tell on Twitter. Hint, hint, guys. Hint, hint. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. This is very exciting. I feel very, very, very good about all of these uh, results from this mash. Uh, this mash game. First of all, I want to congratulate you on your beautiful apartment in Portland that you can escape away to. Uh, I want to advise you that while you are at your apartment in Portland or anywhere else, you can have all the lobster you want. Yes. In perpetuity. I want to... uh, Listen, that doesn't mean that I think that you should like go and dive into the ocean and get your own but if you want to do that you can you certainly have a secret door that leads to the beach uh Fun. puts you at that very close then. yeah very close proximity um i'd love to see one of your famous pencil illustrations on lobsters <laughs> mm. I'm not sure why. I'm, I'm really trying to build a story here where everything connects. Yeah. I, I think I went a little off the rails with you're an expert in pencil illustrations of lobsters. <laughs> you know, everybody's got a niche. And uh, anything that's else. That's the niche of a niche of a niche. Uh, mm-hmm. So I'm <laughs> rest assured you are brilliant at anything you choose to illustrate with a pencil. Uh, you are going to have an amazing collaboration with MF Doom. Fun. You may also jump in to do the right thing whenever you want. Yes. You can do any and all of this with the absolutely fabulous present day Halle Berry. Hey. Uh, and you don't need me at all because you get to talk to Stanley Kubrick in person <laughs> about. Fist pump. Fist what, pump. Fist yeah, pump. Yeah. So you're going to have to tell me about how that goes. Um, that's how MASH works. That's your that's your MASH future. That's your alternate universe what? MASH life. Well, this sounds like one third of everything I want. 
There you go. Oh my god. That's an amazing response. Uh, also, also, also have been doing this podcast eight years, and no one has ever said that. No one has ever that's said amazing. that. Sounds like a third of what I want. You are my hero. That's, um, that's incredible. Uh, uh, okay, this this has been so much fun. I am so glad that you could do the podcast. Um, I have a final thing that I offer sure. up that. Uh, <laughs> because typically I only interview uh, non-boys, except mm-hmm. in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, I invite my boys of summer to either sing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer or just another song or rap or anything else that sort of either feels like summer to you or in some way like represents like the sort of feeling of, you know, being that that feeling that we would have like when school was out and it was summertime um i can only think of uh will smith's summertime that i it's a song i absolutely hate (laughs) but it was the one he got you i hate that song so much um (laughs) but i'll sing the hook great summer summer summertime summertime time to kick back in the wine see yeah that's 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 it Beautiful. It's a commercial thank for you. summer. Like, who needs that? Yeah, thank you for giving him the plug he 100% did not need uh, that you did <laughs> to satisfy my stupid uh, thing that I wanted. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, guys, please check out the new podcast. You need to be getting into Open Mike Eagle's work if you are not already. I feel many of you probably are. Um, thank you again. And... Uh, Everybody else, I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. Hey guys, it's Janet just popping in one last time to tell you I love you. Uh, I'm doing a different voice because I am a single host and I don't know if you're tired of hearing my voice right now, so I thought I'd do this voice so that you'd be so grateful when I stopped doing that voice and listened to my regular voice again, right? It's such a refreshing break from that other voice I was just doing. I am only popping in to say thank you again to everyone who has gone out of their way to support the show as a max fun member the jv club that's me but also my amazing producer julian burrell and christopher royce who started as a listener uh, and has now become a dear friend i'm so grateful for uh the entire network everybody you 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 i can't say it enough you thank you for supporting in every way that you do if you haven't had a chance to become a member yet <laughs> you can do so at maximumfun.org join and one of the things i can guarantee is that i won't do this voice anymore you know this sort of condescending laughy voice who delivers weird condescending news i'm gonna take that away i'm just gonna take it all away if you help become a member of MaxFun. okay so that's the end of that And be well, be safe, and I'll talk to you next time on the podcast. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.